0: You could either mine Bitcoin on one small landfill for, for a year, or you could plant 5 million trees and let them grow for 10 years. Both of those are going to have the same uh, environmental impact.
1: Hello there. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into today's interview, I do have a message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Ledger. And the world's most popular wallet just got better. Ledger has recently announced the launch of their Nano S Plus. With a larger screen it is now easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions and the Nano S Plus maintains the same level of high security as all other Ledger products. I have been a Ledger customer since 2017 and I absolutely love the S Plus. Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. If you want to find out more and purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up is BitCasino. Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino. Trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide, not only do they have cutting-edge security, but fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. With over 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against each other and 24-7 live chat support, Casino is the best Bitcoin casino out there. To find out more about Bit Casino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B I T C A S I N O.io. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Next up, it is BlockFi. Now, BlockFi bridges the world of traditional finance and Bitcoin, empowering you for this future financial world. And for those people living in the U.S. who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, the BlockFi Rewards credit card provides the easiest way to earn more Bitcoin. There are no fees to use the card, no annual fee, and no foreign transaction fees. You can earn 1.5% back in Bitcoin on all purchases forever and you can earn 2% back in Bitcoin on every dollar over $50,000 of annual spend. Now, if you want to stack sats with BlockFi, then please head over to blockfi.com to find out more and read the terms and conditions. All available at blockf also, we have the Pacific Bitcoin Conference hosted by Swan Bitcoin on November the 10th and the 11th this year in sunny Los Angeles. Now, I've known Yan, Brady and Corey for years, and they're pulling out all the stops to make this the biggest Bitcoin only event ever. I'll be emceeing the conference along with my friends Natalie Brunel and Stefan Levera and there's going to be an incredible lineup of speakers. This conference is going to be the right mix of education and good fun with unique experiences such as a surf simulator and an 80s arcade gaming lounge. They are inviting the smartest minds in the Bitcoin space to discuss a range of topics from macro to nation state adoption and from mining to lightning. Whether you want to attend or sponsor the event, you can find out more at pacificbitcoin.la, which is P-A-C-I-F-I-C. B-I-T-C-O-I-N dot L-A. Adam, hi, how are you? Peter, how are you? I'm good,
2: man, thank you for coming in. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Uh, So Danny, I think this is the show he's been most excited about us making on this trip. Great, well, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, he keeps bringing this one up. Every time we talk about an interview, he goes, oh yeah, but I can't wait for the Adam one. (laughs) You're gonna really love this, you're gonna love Adam. Okay. I normally, if I don't think the audience maybe know the person, Mm -hmm. I normally ask them to give their background, but I think we should outline what it is we're going to talk about today, and then we'll do your background so people understand. So just tell the audience what we're going to be talking about with regards to mining today.
0: Okay, great. Well, uh, so my name is Adam Wright. I'm the founder and CEO of Vespine Energy. Vespine Energy um, is a methane mitigation company that uses Bitcoin mining to mitigate landfill landfill methane emissions, so we partner with municipal landfills. We install power generation equipment on the landfill and use the energy to mine Bitcoin. Okay, there's a lot to get into there. A lot to unpack. Uh, what's your Bitcoin story? So I got into Bitcoin uh, back in 2017. Okay. So I've uh, you know I was born and raised in the Bay Area. I've been in Silicon Valley companies my entire career. And so I've always understood the the social implications of Bitcoin. Um, I read the white paper. Um, been really interested in the technology, but as a you know as an environmentalist, I've been a little bit disappointed in the in the FUD that is in the mainstream media. And so one of the reasons for founding Vespine was to change the narrative behind you know the negative uh, the negative mainstream media in, uh, as uh, you know,
2: in Bitcoin mining. So you want to kind of like, uh, help people understand or, or also be doing things which uh, contribute to reducing yes, issues purport. of climate yeah, change. Ex- exactly.
0: I mean, there's a lot of talk in the, you know, in the Bitcoin community about how Bitcoin can be used to, uh, you know, incentivize construction of renewables and how it can be used to mitigate methane emissions. And so, Vespian Energy is doing both and doing both
2: at scale. Okay, but being an environmentalist within the Bitcoin community itself is not the most popular term to use. Totally. Uh, we have a mixture of people who do believe that we have an issue with climate change, that humans are causing it. Mm-hmm. We do have people who think that it's all bullshit mm-hmm. and the climate's always changing, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, I'm on your side with this. I, I fall on that side. Uh, we had Andrew Desler on this week mm-hmm. uh, from Texas... Texas M and and what is it? Texas A M- N- and That's right. Yeah, that's I'm a foreigner. Texas A&M, <laughs> A M. He's a climate scientist in there to discuss it. We've had Alex Epstein on. Interested mm-hmm. to talk to him. Are you prepared that, that you're going to be challenged by some people, that there is no environmental issue, issue to be considered? Yeah, I, I mean, very much so. I
0: think that we our, our main mission is to, you know, not necessarily change the narrative from within Bitcoin itself, but rather to change the narrative outside of Bitcoin. Uh-huh. And so we're doing that by partnering on a grassroots level with individual communities and municipalities, because, you know, as we'll get into, a landfill is ultimately... Uh, the ultimate beneficiaries of a landfill are a municipality or a city, and so by showing what Bitcoin mining can do to solve an actual problem, um, that helps to you know bolster acceptance and ultimate adoption of of the of Bitcoin at a you know at a at a grassroots level.
2: And like Troy would say, even if you don't believe there are issues <laughs> of climate change, you don't have to have any issue with this yep. because it's just a, a mining company mining Bitcoin. And uh, choosing to get its energy source where it gets its energy source from.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Troy is a good friend, and he's actually uh, an advisor to our company. I think our, our missions are very very much in alignment. Um, but uh, you know, we're we're really excited. Um, you know, and you know, part of the reason for coming coming here today is to use this as kind of a long form uh, press release. You know, this is our this is our hello world moment. Um, you know, we've been working on this company uh, for you know the past year. Developing the relationships in the landfill community and uh, you know other partners within uh, government and regulators um, to to put this solution together, and we're really excited that our uh, our pilot site is under construction currently um, at a municipal landfill in Central California. Okay. Um, you know, we chose California specifically, uh, because of its regulatory environment. Um, you know, California has some of the strictest air quality regulations in the country. Um, and so, you know, by starting in California and then scaling out to other states, you know, we can basically go anywhere. So, you know, it's kind of like learning how to scuba dive in the coldest water. If you do that, then you can go, go pretty much anywhere. What
2: were you doing before this?
0: Uh, well, my career... Sort of takes uh, a lot of circuitous paths. I guess my my basic my main background is uh, in mechanical engineering. Okay, um, I have a bachelor's uh, from UC Berkeley, um, and my my primary career was actually in submarines. So I, my background is in uh, personal submarines, uh, recreation and tourism. I founded a company. I w- founded. I was a founder and CEO of a company called Deep Flight, um, which does you know highly advanced uh, personal submarines for private ownership and also, uh, for tourism. So I'm used to tackling, you know, big problems and, and solving kind of big engineering, you know, engineering issues.
2: You didn't sell one to James Cameron. Did you, <laughs> I,
0: I, we do, we do know James Cameron well, uh-huh. um, but we had some clients like Richard Branson and, okay. uh, kind of know him. Yeah. You kind of know him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, the, the addressable market of that is, is sort of small. Uh, but again, being a Bitcoiner since 2017. Um, you know, I've, I've wanted to, you know, we wanted to start a company that really addresses some of these climate issues that we think are, are sort of, you know, preventing the further adoption of Bitcoin. Um, and so that's sort of the, the, the basis from which Vespine was founded.
2: So how did you connect the dots for this?
0: That's a good question. So, um, it was actually, so my, my, my co-founders and I, uh, so there's three of us in the company, uh, myself, uh, Joshua Glovin and Aaron Levy. And so we were, we were on, a, on a walk one day in a, in a local park in Berkeley that actually used to be a landfill, and they've you know, covered it with grass, and it's a nice place to play with dogs. But there's this big sort of industrial-looking smokestack right in the middle of the landfill. And you know, we never really noticed it before. We got up to, we got a little bit closer, and we realized that they were actually burning off the methane in the landfill. And this landfill was closed in the, you know, in the 70s, and it's still producing methane today. And so there, you know, there here here is this old landfill that has, you know, a million dollar piece of capital equipment sitting on with you know several, you know, hundred thousand dollars worth of maintenance per year that just for the purpose of burning off the methane. Okay. And so we realized that, you know, putting two to two and two together, being you know, involved with Bitcoin understanding Bitcoin mining. So we we also uh founded a, a small Bitcoin mining company that um that does syndication. So we bring retail investors together and pool resources and put them into a co-location facilities. And so we knew, you know, we were familiar with Bitcoin mining. We have a lot of, we had a lot of partners in the space. And so putting two and two together, um, you know, landfill methane was, you know, this, this cheap and wasted energy source that,
2: you know, we could capitalize with Bitcoin mining. Can you explain to me the, um, the business of landfills themselves outside of Bitcoin mining? Um, yeah, how do they work? How do they choose a site? And how long do yeah, they last for? How do they cover them?
0: That's a great question. So, landfills, or you know, I guess the full name would be a municipal solid waste landfill. Um, and so, in the United States, there's about 2,600 landfills. Um, of those landfills, um, about 30 percent of them. Um, are so thirty percent of those landfills have active projects on them, and when I say projects, I mean that they are. You know, there's a power plant that's burning the methane and selling the the power to the grid, or they are refining the methane into natural gas and then piping it into the pipeline. So these two projects, these two project types, are very uh, capital intensive, and are are not scalable. So they're only really they only really pencil out for um, larger landfills that are located close into cities, right? So that leaves about 200 or sorry, 2,000 landfills that are not doing anything with the methane that they produce. And a landfill by definition produces methane because as garbage goes into the landfill, that garbage is decomposing and part of the decomposition process produces methane. So 2,000 landfills aren't doing anything with the methane, 30% of those of that 2000 are flaring it because they're required to by the EPA and the remaining 70% of them are just freely emitting into the atmosphere. So both of these sort of cohorts of of landfills provides, you know, that this is our th- these are our customers. So these are these are landfills that are remote and decentralized and generally speaking, farther away from city centers such that a traditional project doesn't make sense. So you know, when you're running a traditional project, let's look at the, at the power plant example. With a power plant, you have to you know, produce electrons on the site and then transfer those electrons off to where they're being used. So that requires infrastructure. And you know, power transmission infrastructure can cost anywhere from one to $3 million a mile. So the second one would be, um, refining to natural gas and sending it to your, your stove or whatever is, whatever else is using natural gas. And that also requires transfer of physical things. So in the, in the power transmission case, you're transmitting electrons in the, uh, in the ref- gas refining case, you're transmitting molecules. Whereas in our case, we're, you know, vi- you know, by virtue of Bitcoin mining, we're transmitting data, and data can be transmitted, you know, anywhere in the world using a satellite satellite uplink. Okay, so, so, of those,
2: was it thirty two hundred or twenty six hundred?
0: Uh, so twenty six hundred landfills. Yep. About, of those, of those, the, about six hundred of them have an active project. Okay. So at least two thousand landfills with nothing happening on them.
2: And those active projects tend to be ones with just well-funded well-funded cities. They can afford to do it.
0: Well, there would be things like in, like let's take Los Angeles for example, yeah. large city, big you know, big population centers. So they have an, they produce enough trash to build a, you know a thirty megawatt power plant. And so the, the economics work because of, because the, you know, selling power is a very low margin business. So you need a lot of power to actually make it pencil out. Right. So, and not only that, when you're hooking up a, you know, a power plant, you, there's, you know, a two to four year window that you have to work with the utility to get things, to get permits and get set up. So it's a very long and arduous process. So for, again, for these smaller and medium sized landfills, it just doesn't pencil out, so there's no way for these landfills to to monetize their 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 methane assets essentially.
2: And those ones with power plants, they're generating all the power from the landfill. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And just from the methane, or just from the they, they don't burn off any of the trash or anything.
0: Nope, nope, just from the methane. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so the, so, so they call, you know it's it's called a landfill because you know trash gets filled in. It's 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 essentially buried underground. And when it when it gets buried underground, it's essentially in an anaerobic environment, and in an anaerobic environment, that's where the, the methane gets produced.
2: Do they line these massive pits? They
0: do. They do. So there's a they line them with you know with, with liners, and they put you know when they sort the of landfill is split up into different cells, and after they finish a cell, they'll sort of cover it over with a liner, move on to the next cell, and then you know when landfills are constructed, they're generally constructed with a series of piping underneath. Uh, that's called a GCCS, or a gas uh, collection and control system. And that's that's what actually allows the methane to flow up into a pipe and then um, either get flared or, in our case, put into a generator.
2: Okay, so the ones that are flaring, mm-hmm. they're flaring because of specific rules, because it's, explain why they flared.
0: Yeah. So um, so the EPA... Uh, explain to the EPA, okay, to yeah, people so people not from the U.S. Of course. EPA is the, the U.S. Uh, Environmental Protection Agency. okay. Um, so they have, uh, basically a, a set of standards guidelines, uh, for, for landfills, uh, to mitigate their methane emissions. So the EPA generally, you know, they, they regulate how much methane can get produced from, from a landfill. And so historically the EPA has relied on states to sort of self-police their methane emissions. Okay. And so as a result a lot of states take a more lax stance to you know how much methane is you know is flared or how much methane is released and so in at the end of 2021 the EPA released a new set of standards called the NSPS the new source performance standards and these standards say that now the the states are no longer in charge of their landfills and the EPA, the federal EPA now has jurisdiction over all state landfills. And so as a result, essentially all landfills by 2025 are gonna have to install this gas capture and flaring system and start flaring their methane. And so this, this, is, this constitutes more than a thousand landfills that are gonna have to expend actual resources at taxpayer expense to capture and flare their methane because of uh, environmental regulations. What kind of cost would that be? That would be on the order of several million dollars per landfill. Wow. So okay. it's it's a it's a major expenditure, and when you're looking at some of these communities, um, you know these are these are places that you know don't have a lot of income coming in from other sources, and so now if you're asking somebody to come up with another three million dollars and another several hundred thousand dollars a year just to upkeep the facility you know that's a major expense that you know is is generally going to be passed down to to taxpayers unfortunately so that that provides a you know that represents a cohort of landfills that is a has a very clear value proposition from the way that we would partner with them
2: and a municipality is what a collection of towns
0: yeah municipality would be a generally a county A county yep so a county um so you know, our, our first pilot site in california is going to be a, a county run uh site in in central california but do some counties share um generally speaking a county would have its own landfills under its jurisdiction oh, wow. so they're they're, they're very de, you know again decentralized so that's why you know it's if they were centralized and all the trash went into kind of one place then you could more easily and economically build a, a power plant or a gas you know gas processing but because there's 2,600 landfills across, scattered across the US into this remote and decentralized grid, you know, it, it only makes sense for, from a traditional perspective to do the large ones. And flaring is because? Yeah, flaring is because that, that, that you know, so methane is, is, a, is a terrible greenhouse gas. Okay. So methane, when compared to carbon dioxide, um, is about 84 times more powerful than carbon dioxide. And so there's a there's a massive uh, environmental um, sort of reason or impetus for for burning that methane. So
2: because if you burn it off, you just create carbon dioxide.
0: Correct. So burning it off is essentially 84 times better than letting it emit. Right. And so the EPA or the United States has a is taking a stance that they're going to try to regulate their way out of methane emissions. And so that we often say that. You know the EPA has a takes a stick approach to methane mitigation, whereas we provide a carrot approach. And you know the United States has one of the strongest uh, you know environmental regulatory agencies of any country on the planet. So even if you, even if the U.S. does manage to regulate its way out of you know methane emissions, it doesn't really set a very good uh, model for the rest of the world. So our you know our mission is to set up a model that not only works in the United States but we can scale out to any landfill across the you know across the globe.
2: And this is a global issue. This
0: is a, definitely a global issue. I mean, yeah. you know, land or methane in general, and mitigating methane is you know the the strongest lever that we have as humanity to curb climate change.
2: Do we know what percentage of emissions, accounting for the fact that it's eighty four. Uh, times worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big an issue ma- methane is because the, the majority of the conversation is centered on car- carbon dioxide. It's not on methane. We occasionally hear about it, but right. how big? Do we know what percentage
0: it is? I mean, methane is a is a huge, huge issue, and that you know if we were able. So again, and this is actually uh, you know like the UN put out a big report uh, at the end of last year. There was a big um, conference in Glasgow about curbing methane emissions and. Um, so, current, if, if we managed to curb methane emissions, like all methane emissions globally today, we would uh, we would have a very good chance of meeting the you know one one and a half degrees Celsius climate goals. So there's you know it it, it represents the the fastest and easiest way to um, to get to um, to make a significant impact on on climate change
2: and the methane comes from landfill sites around the world, but where else is, do we know where else?
0: Yeah, so there's, so methane, um, there's there's sort of three major sources of human-caused methane. So one is uh, oil and gas exploration. And there's a number of really great companies that are working in that space to address that issue. Um, The second one is in um, agriculture and uh, animal husbandry. So this includes things like dairies and, uh, you know, pig farming and things like this, and also other agricultural uses like, um, you know, rum distilleries or in, uh, palm oil processing. And then landfills, uh, is, is the, is at least globally is the third biggest emitter. However, that's based on, um, that's based on self-reported data. And there's recently been a NASA survey of us landfills that said that the, the reported data is actually underreported by a factor of 2 to 3x. So, landfills... Just in the U.S. Just in the U.S. And so, landfills represent a much bigger problem than is sort of currently, you know, talked about.
2: And I imagine other countries in the world, uh, maybe South American, uh, Brazil, perhaps um, India, Indonesia, some of these countries who who don't have the same regulatory bodies and the same... Uh, economic position as the US, their landfill sites aren't built in the same way, constructed in the same way, aren't uh, perhaps uh, even flaring. It's mm-hmm. a bigger problem in developing countries, I can imagine. You're,
0: you're absolutely right, and this, you know, our our mission is to you know. So the United States is obviously the leader in 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 a lot of aspects, um, but also you know our 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 main goal is to set up you know set up shop in the US. Uh, under a stable regulatory regime you know, help to change the narrative surrounding Bitcoin mining. And, we're, and we do that by, again, partnering with local municipalities and, and changing that sort of viewpoint uh, on a grassroots level, um, and, then, and then creating a model that, that, we, that we can then roll out to other jurisdictions internationally and worldwide. Um, and that not only not only encompasses landfills but also other sources of methane like uh, like dairies and and palm oil processing
2: so can you bypass the new york uh, moratorium
0: uh, yes absolutely so our so our our solution is not only not, so so my understanding of the New York moratorium is that <clears throat> it only focuses on new Bitcoin mining using coal or other fossil fuels.
2: Which is a weird question, because if you're buying off the grid, Mm -hmm. how do you know? Can you say to the grid, I only want your energy from renewables?
0: Yeah, that's a a great question. Uh, But from our perspective, not only is our energy renewable, it's actually carbon negative. And you you uh, you can very sort of scalably and measurably show exactly how much carbon is removed or is mitigated by... Or what they, they call it, carbon dioxide equivalent. So by by essentially by by building one Vespine module, and we call we call modules, um, you know, basically a small landfill can fit one module, which is about one point five megawatts.
2: What is a module? Is it a container? Is
0: it a... yeah? So it's it would be a container full of of miners and a and a generator and a generator. And how how many ASICs in that? There would be about uh, four hundred ASICs. Four hundred ASICs in mm-hmm. one
2: module with a yep. generator. Yep. Okay. And so
0: that module. Can mitigate the so if you if you you know there's there's various calculators that can show you uh, you know carbon dioxide equivalencies and how much say cars can come off the road or how many houses emissions are are dealt with, but the the one that we like is how many trees can you plant by with the because it's a bigger number. Well, so (laughs) so you could either you could either mine Bitcoin on one small landfill for for a year. Or you could plant five million trees and let them grow for ten years. Both okay. of those are going to have the same uh, environmental impact.
2: Uh, how many cars does it take off the road?
0: Uh, good question. It's uh, in the hundreds of thousands. Okay. Okay. Per, per so cent. I
2: mean, so these are these are there's a, a lot of benefit. Here.
0: There's a huge amount of benefit, and we look at it. So there, I think there's three different ways that you can look at Vespine. I mean, the first the first way is that we are a methane mitigation company that just happens to use Bitcoin mining as the, the best and most, most, most readily available and best way to, to put financial value to methane anywhere in the world. The second way is to look at us as a Bitcoin miner. So we're a Bitcoin mining company that has access to some of the cheapest power available. And the third way to look at us is actually a long-term energy uh, producer. So we are, by virtue of having agreements with landfills, and so, as a, taking a step back, a landfill is going to produce methane for decades, even hundreds of years. And so this is a long-term play that also provides us with a, you know, a hedge against Bitcoin mining and a potential other revenue source, which is over time, as that landfill grows and develops and population, population shifts and potentially grows out towards the landfill. Because we have access to that gas, we can then pivot into not just being a Bitcoin miner, but also being a power provider. And so we can utilize this network, this, again, decentralized network of uh, baseload carbon negative power producing facilities and supply that to, to the grid. And we've used Bitcoin mining over the first five to 10 years. To amortize all the costs associated with building up that plant, such that when we do, if and when we do pivot into becoming a power provider, that
2: even if it's a low margin business, we're still making we're still making good money. Okay, so we, we, when you go onto a site mm-hmm. and you've explained these uh, landfills are built-in cells, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to make an assumption that the amount of methane a site produced fluctuates. Yes, um, mm-hmm. f- one to do with how many of the cells are filled, so there's more Mm -hmm. rubbish there. But also, uh, does a new cell instantly produce methane, or as it decomposes uh, more and more, does it increase, like, there must be some fluctuations. Uh,
0: So in general, a landfill is, um, as long as that landfill is open, and they call, there's open landfills are ones that are still receiving trash, Mm -hmm. and closed landfills are ones, like the one I was talking about in Berkeley, where it's covered. And so as, if a landfill is open, and on on average, that landfill is going to be producing three point six percent more methane year over year oh okay. so that landfill is is growing, so all of the old garbage is still producing methane in addition to all the new garbage that you've stacked in and so on average, if you look at it over all of the landfills in the u s in general they're they're growing by three point six percent Once you close a the landfill, then over time that methane uh, production is going to drop off, and it, but it drops off very, very slowly. So after you close the landfill, you're going to have, you know, potentially 40, 50 years of, of, of methane that you're still going to have to deal with.
2: Right. And so when you go and knock on the door of this um, mm-hmm. whoever's running this uh, landfill and you say, hey, by the way, we want to buy all your methane off you, mm-hmm. and we're going to solve your regulatory issues with mm-hmm. regards to this, and mm-hmm. we're going to pay you for it. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to put this container on the side and you're going to make money from it. They're like, are you fucking... Oh, yeah, and we're going to do it with this Bitcoin thing. And they're like, are you mad?
0: People, yeah, that's basically our... So there, <laughs> there is definitely a, a, an educational uh, aspect to it. I mean, you know, everybody sees... that There's a very clear value proposition that we bring to people. So, for example, our, our pilot site, so they're on the hook for a million-dollar upgrade to their Flare. And, and the whole purpose of this Flare is this fucking massive thing. I mean, it's the size of you know, a four story building sticking out of the ground. And the whole purpose of that is to, is to burn off the methane. There's no other purpose of it. And so they, they go from, you know, having to be a million dollars in the red plus an an- another 100K a year to, to, to maintain the thing. So they go from that sort of situation to us knocking on the door and say, hey, how about you don't have to use your flare anymore? We're gonna We're gonna come in and we're gonna buy your gas from you you know, they, it's sort of like, why not, you know, the value proposition is so clear. Um, the, the main thing is the, is the, is the education, right? And so in conversations and, you know, again, landfills are very traditional businesses, may not be, may not have much exposure to, to technology, let alone Bitcoin. And, you know, one, one of the, um, you know, one of the conversation that always comes up is, what is, you know, how do you know that there's Bitcoin in the landfill, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so you have to really sort of explain it to them from the, from square one, it, it, what is Bitcoin mining, yeah. um, you know, how does it work? It's, it's basically, you're, you're setting up a data center, you're processing, you know, Bitcoin mining is essentially a, you're, you're a decentralized auditor of the Bitcoin network and you're getting paid for your services in Bitcoin. And so when you communicate it on that sort of level, that tends to, you know, make sense to people a little bit more.
2: And so. are, you, are you are you buying the methane off them on a fixed price or is it per cubic meter? I don't know how they do it.
0: But. Yeah. So that that's a great question and this kind of leads into our our mission or one of our missions of um, you know, fostering increased adoption of Bitcoin. Yeah. And so so we actually set up a uh, a profit share. Okay. So we basically make the the landfills essentially a, you know, a a stakeholder in the Bitcoin mining operation, and so we have, uh, you know, on so so that sort of protects us on the downside. So, and we and we set a range of it. So it's basically like on the downside, when Bitcoin mining metrics are rather low, we're paying the equivalent of anywhere from a half cent to one cent per kilowatt hour. It's pretty good. So that's on the low end, and that's when it's the most important to have uh, protection. In competition with other miners, right? When metrics are higher, because of this, uh, the way that we've structured the profit share agreement, that they can make as much as four cents a kilowatt hour, but that the the payment is is, is capped on the high end and and capped on the low end, so they can still um, participate in some of the upside of of Bitcoin mining, but
2: it protects both parties on the on the upside and the downside. Okay, is there any what is the risk and the trickiness with regards to Bitcoin price? When Bitcoin is sixty thousand dollars, it's super profitable. Mm-hmm. If we suddenly dump to twenty, it might not be. How do you guys protect yourself against that? Yeah, I
0: mean, so that's 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 why we we put together this type of uh, profit share agreement, and so right. this protects us in the uh, in the times where Bitcoin is low. This protects us by having uh, a very low cost of power. When Bitcoin is high, sixty k, hundred k, whatever it ends up being. The maximum power cost we're going to be paying is four cents, and that's when it kind of matters less
2: because the margins are so high. There is still a risk of Bit- bitcoins at a certain price that you could be underwater. That is a risk you're taking. Uh, well, I mean, I think based on the power price
0: or based on our power cost in in comparison to other miners, and then because of the the, the dynamics of Bitcoin mining, yeah. you know, other miners are going to be going off offline f- much sooner than we were. Right. Really. Okay. And so, therefore, we're going to be essentially getting their share of the pie when they go offline. And so we're, we're, we have protection for, for the very long term because of that.
1: Okay, before we carry on with the interview, I do have a message from my amazing sponsors. This show is brought to you by Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, I'm still only buying. Come on, look at this market. It is the time to buy. We're not sellers right now, are we? Now, I am also using the Gemini app for buying these dips. And I have also set up a DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy. And Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. Gemini are running a special offer for listeners of What Bitcoin Did... All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade over $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Next up, it's Cake Wallet, who I have recently started using as my mobile wallet for Bitcoin. Now, Cake Wallet is a non-custodial wallet, which means it protects both your security and privacy because it doesn't share important information with unnecessary third parties. With Cake Wallet, not only can you hodl Bitcoin, but you can easily pay privately with Monero. It has advanced features for Bitcoin, including coin control and automatic address switching. The app is also designed to make it very easy for you to set up your wallet and back up your keys. If you want to find out more, please head over to cakewallet.com or search for Cake Wallet in the Apple or Google app stores. Next up, it is BCB Group. Now, BCB Group provide online business banking services for companies in the Bitcoin and wider crypto industry. And yes, I am now a customer of BCB too. They heard about my difficulty in finding a payment service provider that understands Bitcoin and they reached out to me. So I've moved all my business banking across to BCB and I could not be happier. BCB clients include major exchanges, market makers funds, and miners active in UK and Europe but they are now expanding globally. They have an amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now, listen, I know some of you have had trouble with this. If you're looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies, rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you may want to become a BCB customer. If you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Also, we have a compass mining. And they are not just a sponsor. I am a customer of theirs too, and I am mining Bitcoin with Compass. I've been mining for over 10 months and I've already mined over 0.7 Bitcoin, which has more than paid off two of my S19s. Anyone can start mining with Compass Mining and to help you, Compass has launched the Compass Score to help you make informed decisions about your next mining purchase. The score highlights how good each ASIC deal is based on a number of factors such as price, mine age, difficulty, hashing power, and the current Bitcoin price. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone, and as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. If you are interested in mining and you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is compassminin dot
2: Right, okay. And so when you're building out this facility, mm-hmm. how do you ensure you, you use every bit of methane you burn? You burn off, or will there be some waste in there?
0: Yeah, so we we always do keep a flare in uh, sort of in line with uh, with the generator. So in the times where you know the generator needs to go down for maintenance, or there's some other problem, that that's basically a backup solution for for maintaining you know compliance with with regulations. So
2: there is always the, that backup flare that can, you know, that can burn off excess if needed. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be so successful they're going to be like, we need more trash. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be taking trash from. They could though. They could take trash yep. from other municipalities, uh, municipalities because they can make more from
0: it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a way of looking at trash as a as an asset essentially, and so you know, this go it goes from you know being a net. Uh, you know, a net expense to to the municipality and to the landfill to a a, a value producing uh, you know commodity essentially sounds unreal. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, we're simultaneously, you know, I think there's there's sort of three things that happen si- simultaneously. Number one, we have access to some of the lowest cost energy of any Bitcoin miner on the market yeah. because of the nature of the gas that we use. Second, we are solving a very clear and present issue with the climate and related to methane, and, not, and, and it's very scalable and measurable. And then three, there, there's a social implication because the, you know, the, the ultimate beneficiary of a landfill is a city or a municipality. So any revenues that come in as, as a result of our partnership goes right back into the community. So that's sort of like, if you talk about Bitcoin being ESG, I mean, we've pretty much ticked all the boxes.
1: It's alchemy, <laughs> it's actual alchemy. In the times where um, you might be running a profit share, mm-hmm. will that be paid to the municipality in dollars or
0: Bitcoin? It's a great question. Ooh. Great question. You could be making California hold Bitcoin. Well, that that's actually uh, our, our plan. You should insist um, they receive it in Bitcoin. Well, make can so, deal with it. And that, that's a great, that's it. A, that's a, I'm really glad you brought that up because again, we, we are you know, committed to, to Bitcoin and fostering increased adoption of Bitcoin. And so one of the things that we plan to do is have a slightly larger percentage, offer a slightly larger percentage of a profit share if they agree to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet for the long term. Right. And we have a number of partners that we're, uh, that were aligned with um, that, would, that would be basically um, you know, solutions for that, so cust- custodial solutions for that.
2: Okay, so you're working on a pilot right now. Mm-hmm. What's the status of the pilot? Where are you at?
0: Yeah, so the pilot is uh, currently under construction. Okay. And you know, I think the, the key to success here, and and really with any Bitcoin mining operation, is access to capital. Uh-huh. And so, you know, after our pilot site... And ASICS. Right. Well, ASICS is a result of capital, right? So Yeah, but sometimes <laughs>
2: even with the capital, you can't get the ASICS. Yeah.
0: Well, it, we're, we're fortunate enough to have really great partnerships. So um, we have a partnership with uh, Frontier Mining, who, uh, you know, they're a major uh, co-location provider um, as well as ASIC reseller, so we have really good, really good access to to hardware. Um, but then on top of that, you know, we're, we've recently closed uh, you know a major fundraising round with some um, you know pretty big name uh, venture capital firms, um, which I can't name quite yet, but uh, it'll it'll be out soon. Um, so our you know our access to capital is really going to ensure our ability to uh, to scale. And I think the you know the faster that we can get on the market and deal with this problem, the better it is, both from a climate perspective and from a you know a social perspective.
2: What is the cost to build out just one module?
0: Um, it's approximate. I mean, there's the cost the cost does vary to some extent depending on what I mean the big the big driver of the cost is the ASICs. Okay. Right. So depending on what uh, you know what vintage or what model of ASIC you choose. Um, in general, you know, it's about um, you know, it's about four million bucks to build out one one module. one module. So that includes you know the set, that includes the the, the um, you know associated ancillary equipment, um, the container, and then the and then the a six. Is
2: that cargo going off again and again? Sorry about that, anyone listening. That's four hundred a six. I don't know. Were they ten thousand each? Fifteen. No, well, the
0: prices have gone down substantially, and so this is actually one of the reasons. Good time to do it. This is a fantastic time to be building uh, building best mean is we have, we'll be able to have access to, you know, ASICs that are, you know, below historical high, you know, lows basically.
2: Okay. So, and what's the kind of return on investment on one module? What's the, is it one year, two year, three year?
0: You... Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of that depends on the, you know, future projections of Bitcoin mining and, and the price of Bitcoin. And we're not, we're not necessarily one to, um, to make predictions of that because, you know, a lot of our profitability is protected, you know, because of our low cost of power. So, you know, if we, if one site pays itself off in two years, in three years, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter at the end of the day because we know that we're going to be profitable in the long term.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, So I'm thinking in terms of your, like what moat you have around this and your moat really is uh, understanding of this market, Mm -hmm. having built out a, uh, pilot scheme that's successful, mm-hmm. um, but your moat really is time, I think. Because if somebody else sees this, they're gonna go, huh, well, mm-hmm. why can't we do this? And they're gonna have to go through all the stages that you haven't done. So, mm-hmm. pilot, mm-hmm. Yeah, then, the, the, then you need to raise a billion and go and cover every site <laughs> in the US. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the moat is, uh, that's, a,
0: that's a great point. Um, you know, and the moat is primarily our, our, you know, so we are the first company to mine Bitcoin on a municipal landfill in the United States. Um, and that is a, you know, a major milestone that is going to give us, you know, first mover advantage in the, in the market and landfills are very, um, connected in the sense that everybody knows each other in the, in the industry. So if we come out as the, as the leader in converting landfill methane to Bitcoin, we're going to be the, you know, the choice p- provider essentially. So not only that, it's a, we're, you know, we're leveraging the first mover advantage as well as our access to capital, to and and uh, our our team. So we're building out a you know a world class team of people from you know so bitcoiners, bitcoin miners, environmentalists, ex government officials, and landfill operators. Putting all those people together, all those like best minds, you know, in their in their specific industries, putting them together and 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 sort of ensuring our success in the market.
2: Is that like a, a Landfill Conference or Awards Evening? Or I was
0: uh, just there in Las Vegas last week. Yeah,
2: the, the, what's it called?
0: Well, there's two actually. Um, the one I was at was called the uh, the it was called the American Biogas Conference. Yeah, that's, um, they've named that well. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it, it is a it is a relatively small market in the sense that there's there's a few players, a few key players that if if we you know if and when we 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 get Know, aligned with those players, that that's going to enable our our expansion,
2: kind of you know nationwide. Well, I'm just thinking it's going to spread quick. So you're going to have whoever you're working with, mm-hmm. and they're going to be sat talking to whoever runs a landfill, in, sure. I know, Montana, is he's gonna say, "Yeah, I've got to build out this new flare." And he's like, "We don't have to. We took ours down. Someone like pay, is paying us for mm-hmm. our for our gas." Mm-hmm. They're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, with this Bitcoin thing, they're like they're not gonna understand. It. It's not gonna make any sense to them. Sure. And then you're gonna sit down with them. They're gonna. It's like this is this is what you would call a a no brainer.
0: It is a no brainer. I mean, I think from if you look at it from a Bitcoin perspective, I mean, we we know that it's a no brainer, right? But if you if you're a landfill industry insider it takes a long time to get to the, the point where you can call it a no-brainer because you're just, you're not aware of a technology like this, right? And so, um,
2: the, I guess the only risk to them if is if you got something wrong mm-hmm. and the project didn't work mm-hmm. and you had to scale out, if there's just something that went wrong, then yeah, they'd have to deconstruct the sites and build them, but they'd have to do that anyway, so.
0: Well, then they just go back to flaring, yeah. which they were doing anyway. But yeah. I mean, all of the technologies that we use are proven in their respective fields, right? So we're taking power generation equipment that has you know already been proven in landfills because landfills have power plants and they are producing power. So sending that methane to a power plant or to a generator is a very straightforward process. And then, kind of combining that and marrying that to Bitcoin mining technology, which is also proven and available, kind of merging those two technologies together represents a very, a very small technological risk. So I think the, again, back to the moat uh, perspective, you know, I think that our, our biggest advantage is access to capital, ability to scale quickly. So, you know, beyond the, the pilot site, we have 10 additional sites that are waiting in the pipeline to come online after the pilot oh, site. right.
2: So you're going to be able to move quick once this?
0: So we're going to be able to move quick. And then, you know, it took, it took a while to get to the pilot site, again, because of the education and the, you know, just finding the right site that was willing to take that leap of faith with us. Because they thought um, you were crazy. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they, they loved the, the value proposition, yeah. but at the end of the day, you know, who wants to be the first Bitcoin, who, who wants to be the first landfill to Bitcoin, you know, in the United States? It takes a little bit of a leap of faith to do that. Right. And so once we have that operational, that is going to spread like wildfire. And, and we're, we're poised to, um,
2: to, to scale very, very quickly. Can, can I come and see the site? Yeah, we, should we, we should do that. We should do that. We're going to be in California in uh, later in the year, probably Great. about October. Perfect. That'll be perfect timing. Yeah. So, have you spent much time talking to regulators about this?
0: We've spent a lot of time talking to regulators. Okay. And so, what do they feel? They are extremely pro. Okay. So we've had no, we've had a number of conversations with individuals uh, at the EPA. So you know, actual government employees at the EPA. Who are very, very pro this solution? You know, this was like us presenting that to them was was also an educational thing. Mm -hmm. The EPA is very uh, dedicated to getting rid of methane, and they're they have you know various programs that are you know trying to get people to develop landfills into uh, you know revenue producing projects. But the way the lens through which they look at that is through traditional projects, so power plants or uh, natural gas uh, refineries, right? And so <clears throat> they even have a, they have a calculator that you can say, hey, like you, know, you can enter all your landfill data, and here's the average cost that you can you know, sell your power to, and here's the average cost that it takes to build up a power plant. And so you can use their calculator that they have on their website, enter all the data, and you can see that no landfill actually ever pencils out. <laughs> So yeah uh, so really you know bitcoin mining is is the solution to to landfill flaring and landfill methane
2: it's so interesting how um mining has been this thing that's been attacked has been uh unfriendly to the environment uh the you know, we don't have to get into the arguments around it but there is uh a distorted opinion of um how unfriendly bitcoin mining is for the environment um and what you have done and things like troys looking at and yeah, there seems to be this real move towards actually now mining. Not only does mining not have to use fossil fuels, it can actually do things positive to for the environment. It can, it can actually be a net reducer of emissions, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Going to be crazy difficult for those people who are who hate Bitcoin, who are using the FAD as a reason to regulate it or get rid of it, because mm-hmm. they're kind of fucked. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's literally. literally. <laughs> There's literally no angle that anybody can take with Vespine and say that you guys are doing something negative. They so will find something. <laughs> I will welcome them to uh, to try.
2: They will find something. They always do. Because
0: if you look at it in a if you look at it from an environmental perspective, I mean it's it's very clear that finding a way to mitigate methane is of prime importance, right? and that you can't regulate you can't regulate away a problem you have to provide a carrot instead of a stick and then from a social perspective you can't say that having revenue to a community by virtue of utilizing the methane is a bad thing so you know that's that's part of the that's part of the messaging is that we want to we want to you know change the narrative around Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin miners and Bitcoiners, we know what the narrative is and what it needs to be. We just need, we want to, we want to disseminate that information
2: on a grassroots level so it's understood. And in doing this, what you're going to be also doing is adding people to the army of uh, Bitcoin proponents who protect it. So in scenarios where uh, like those 26 idiots wrote the letter to Congress about why Bitcoin is terrible and it has no utility and it's a Problem trying to find a solution, mm-hmm. you know, those people end up looking kind of stupid here, and 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 their impact is going to be reduced because you know if people just try to unilaterally cause problems for Bitcoin, they're going to be causing problems for the environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then and now, not only are they causing problems for the environment, but they're also causing problems for an army of municipalities scattered along around the country ah. in, in liberal states and in conservative states. So it doesn't matter. Where that state is located and what jurisdiction it's located, you know the, the the net benefit is is the same and is very clear.
2: Well, we have a little bit of a bent towards um, red states being kind of a bit more positive towards Bitcoin at the moment, but there, I think there's clearly uh, a need to push this more with a we could do with a few more kind of Democratic senators.
0: Yeah, well, that's part of the reason why we're starting in California. To be yeah. honest, I mean, we want to we want to set the precedent in. The place where there is the highest and most stringent regulations around environmental issues, and and use that as a as a springboard to go into other other markets.
2: I think Schellenberger would have liked this. <laughs> it's a shame he didn't do uh, he and didn't you do too well.
0: You mentioned also, um, so you, you asked about regul regula, regulators, whether we've spoken to them. So on our advisory board, um, we have an individual who was formerly with the EPA. So we have. We have people with actual boots on the ground experience in government, um, you know, helping to direct our, uh,
2: you know, our mission. And then there's a the whole education side.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's an education side. So I, as I mentioned, you know, one of the, one of the questions that obviously that gets asked is, you know, why, you know, how do you know that there's Bitcoin here on the landfill? <laughs> yeah. And, that's, that. that's my favorite yeah. thing. And so, um, you know, getting through that type of education is is sort of the first step, and just having people understand kind of what Bitcoin is and what um, you know why you know why Bitcoin mining works and why you can, you know, how you can uh, can monetize stranded methane without needing a grid connection. Um, so that, you know, there is a there is a substantial kind of education um, you know, process, but we're, 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 we're sort of happy to do that. And that's part of our, that's part of our mission is to, is to provide that education kind of a, um, you know, location by location level.
2: Are there any other, uh, industries that this is transferable to?
0: Yeah. So I, I think I mentioned, um, you know, other sources of methane, right? So there's, you know, and there's been pioneers in the Bitcoin mining industry, um, you know, Crusoe Energy primarily that is, uh, that's looking at methane produced in oil and gas, um, and so you know, oil and gas major major uh, you know contributor to methane. There's no there's no doubt about it. But it's easy as a you know as the mainstream media, it's really easy to take a a negative view, viewpoint on that because you know you th- you think, well, you know, if we weren't drilling for oil, we wouldn't be creating the, the methane in the first place. And so it's it's sort of really easy, and it's sort of a low hanging fruit for even though, as bitcoiners and bitcoin miners, we know that they're that they're making a measurable impact on on climate change by mitigating that methane. but you know aligning anything with an oil company can come with a, a negative connotation, right mm-hmm. and so we're we're here to help kind of bolster that that mission by adding on landfills to that to that narrative and saying that landfills are also a producer of methane, just having people understand that, but also to, um, you know, to show that Bitcoin mining can have a very measurable impact.
2: And when you're thinking, uh, when you're sat home and you're thinking about this long term, you're thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm onto something here. And you get the pilot site going, you've got 10 more lined up. How far ahead are you thinking about this internationally? Or are you already preparing for that? Because I'm, I'm imagining in, in some of the international sites, you could probably even get the power cheaper.
0: Yeah, I mean, we are in active conversations with uh, two different international jurisdictions, uh, one in Southeast Asia and the other in South America.
2: So, okay, wow. Um,
0: And so these would would involve not only landfills, but other sources of of methane. And so primarily in Southeast Asia, I think I mentioned this earlier, but um, palm oil processing creates a ton of methane byproduct. Okay. And that's because all of the all of the biomass that's used in that in that processing essentially just goes into a trash heap and you know bio you know essentially degrades and decomposes and methane is you know one of the gases that's produced. And so far away from city centers, no other way to capture that methane and produce value. So bitcoin mining comes in Sets up shop, you know, at the palm oil refinery, and provides additional incentive, you know, monetary incentive to to capture
2: the methane, which then leads to an environmental incentive. There's so much incentive once this works to scale this fast. Yes. Um, what are the biggest scaling challenges outside of capital? Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a great
0: question. I think that um, so capital is is definitely is definitely an issue. I think that. The other one is is because landfills are decentralized. So, you know, landfills, so landfills are are split up into public and private operators. So there's there's two big uh, private landfill operators in the United States, uh, waste management and republic services. And those those two private operators represent sort of the lion's share of the of the private sector. So landfills are split up about 50-50 in terms of Fifty um, percent is publicly owned and operated, and then fifty percent is still publicly owned but privately operated. And so, um, so the I think the one of the main challenges to scale is to is to have those sort of boots on the ground conversations with all of these decentralized entities. And so. That's something that we've we've done from the perspective of you know building up our team and adding people to our advisory board that are, that have experience in government and in dealing with individual jurisdictions to help us overcome that that scaling barrier because there is a you know it is a grassroots effort we do have to have conversations kind of with every landfill that were that were you know that we're expanding into and those conversations can can
2: take time right okay and with regards to municipalities themselves, mm-hmm. how much are you thinking about how this spreads knowledge about, well, Bitcoin, but via the, the medium of like, climate change? Because this is something that I could, like, I want to tell my kids about this, right? Mm-hmm. I think my mm-hmm. daughter would be fascinated by this. Mm-hmm. Just because climate change is something that's brought up, mm-hmm. and there's such a combination of things that are working together mm-hmm. for the positive. Yes. I can't find a negative. I cannot find a hole.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's right. I mean, I think that uh, you know probably somebody in the mainstream media will find a hole and and sort of try to exploit it. But we're um, you know we're, we we would welcome that that conversation. That's part of the reason why I'm here today is to tell the whole story. You know, I want to I want to tell the story of you know why is Bitcoin mining the best solution to uh, landfill methane, and you know it does it does it because it's able to monetize you know, stranded pockets of methane that would no, not otherwise be able to be monetized. And then so just by virtue of that monetization process, that just that shows that provides a, a very concrete solution to an actual problem. And by virtue of that, municipalities, cities, counties will 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 see the the benefit that Bitcoin provides.
2: Yeah, I guess the only one the only gaps I find in it is like um I don't know how big the mining industry is in terms of how many ASICs there are and companies, but mm-hmm. there comes a, there, there will always come a time where like, there's a limit how big you can grow because of how Bitcoin how big oh, Bitcoin sorry. is at that moment. So mm-hmm. that that will be
0: a limitation, right? Yeah, I mean we are we are also can you know competing. You know, Bitcoin mining is yeah. a heavily competitive market, and so you know that's why and 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 you know we believe that in the future, and I think you know Troy also shares in this belief that. In the future, Bitcoin mining will trend towards a very a much lower margin business than it is today. I think that um, you know, of, of course, Bitcoin will will grow as an asset, but Bitcoin mining will likely grow sort of at a faster rate, and so right. there therefore the the margin that you're that you're able to achieve as a Bitcoin miner is going to over time uh, shrink, right? But at the same time. If you if you're based on the profit share, you've de-risked. That. Of course, yeah. So we've de-risked that on the profit share, but the the other way that we're that we're de-risking that is by having a long-term view. So we we want to play a role in the evolution to renewables, and we believe that Bitcoin mining has a very important role to play in that evolution. And so our long-term is that is to is to Transition or transition a portion of our, let's call them fleet of you know decentralized sites into power production, and so that's the so as mining you know as the mining kind of you know uh, margins start to shrink, it makes more sense for us to start scaling into being a power producer. Well,
2: there's another interesting part to that. Sorry, were you jumping in there? I was just going to say, does the fact that you have the two different business models, so you got the profit share and just
0: buying the um, methane outright. Um, with the profit share, if you had 100% profit share on a site, could you then just use old miners on it because you basically have no cost of energy? So, could you just put a bunch of S9s on that rather than S19s because you'll still be profitable and you don't actually have to pay for the methane? You um, still got infrastructure costs. You still have infrastructure costs. But I'm thinking, like, as as your the fleet of ASICs get old, could you yeah. just move them to profit share sites? So, so I guess to 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 clarify, you know, our, our our, our intention is that all sites will be profit share sites that we're not, okay. we're not actually going to have a uh, you know a, a fixed rate so the the, 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 the profit share um, the way that we've structured the profit share is that there's a minimum and a maximum okay. so the minimum would be you know one cent. Maximum would be four cents, and the profit share is going to fluctuate some t- somewhere in between those numbers. Okay, so it's never going to grow. It's never going to. We're never going to be paying more than four cents a kilowatt, even at even when Bitcoin mining is is high.
2: There's uh, another interesting point to this as well, because again, it doesn't matter where you are on this kind of uh, spectrum of uh, of whether you believe in climate change or not. Mm-hmm. But if you are one of those people who was concerned. There was always that issue, like, if Bitcoin mining continues to grow, it's going to, have to take up more and more energy. Mm-hmm. You know, Where's it going to take that energy from? If it comes from fossil fuels, it will lead to more uh, uh, carbon in the atmosphere. You've actually created a model where there is an incentive to build out mining to reduce it. You've actually you've actually flipped it completely. Mm-hmm. You actually want mining to grow quick, quicker mm-hmm. because it's better for the environment. Mm-hmm. So we should encourage countries to move to a Bitcoin standard mm-hmm. because going on a Bitcoin standard would make the world a... Cleaner, cleaner place.
0: place. You're 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 absolutely right. I mean, that's. It's, I've
2: it, written your uh, tagline. There.
0: <laughs> it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, let's let's be honest. Like I, I understand because you know because of all the misinformation that's out there, I understand where a a mainstream media can go awry yeah. of of the of the truth, right? And so, we're here to to help to you know to help change that basically.
2: It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that, uh, again, you mentioned that, you know, we're incentivized to grow Bitcoin mining as, as fast as possible. But I think that, you know, over time, and I, th- I know that this is one of Troy's uh, core uh, beliefs as well, is that, you know, Bitcoin mining is essentially a, 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 you know, a dung beetle, right? And so they're always seeking out the, the cheapest uh, source of electricity in our case you know it's very related to dung beetles because this is literally trash that we that we're turning into bitcoin it's amazing um, but the but as you know as time goes on and those margins start to shrink then just by virtue of the price of electricity miners are going to have to shift towards uh, having lower cost power and the only like, the places to find lower cost power are in places where there's waste involved, and this is this is one of the main ones.
2: Well, honestly, I'm, I think it's brilliant. Um, is there anything I've not asked you about that you wish I had?
0: Um, I mean, I think we I think we covered uh, we covered quite a few. I mean, I think you know we could certainly talk more about the adoption side on the on the cities and counties. Um, you know, I think having you know first, it would obviously be. It, it's it would be easier for us to to pay out directly in bitcoin because mm-hmm. you know mining is creating bitcoin and then bitcoin flows into the you know to the wallet and so not having to deal with fiat at all would be would be our preference and just you know cut uh you know cut a share of it into the into the city or county but that's going to take time i mean i think to to build out that infrastructure within the the jurisdiction um, and to have them just understand, you know, how to hold Bitcoin. Like, what are your private keys? Like, what if I, what if I lose my private keys? So that's why, you know, we are working with um, a number of custodial solutions to sort of be that intermediary for the time being. Um, but we do see that as being a major part of our uh, our business and our growth strategy is by sort of by fostering the adoption and and. Holding of, of Bitcoin at a, uh, at a municipal level. And so, and this is, you know, this is, this is government, right? So we're talking about, you know, not, not necessarily the federal government, but state and local governments holding Bitcoin as a predecessor to federal governments holding it.
2: Honestly, I, I think this is brilliant.
0: Uh, it does remind me of the conversation with Troy a lot as well. Yeah, no, and Troy, again, he's a, he's a, um, you know advisor to the business and he's 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 been extremely helpful i know that he's working on you know his big thesis is to you know hold the the same amount of sort of clean hash rate as you hold in in bitcoin and that essentially you know offsets if you if you are concerned about bitcoin as a, a you know as a source of you know emissions that if you hold the same amount of Bitcoin as you do, as or so same amount percentage of hash rate as you do you know, percentage of Bitcoin, um, we are in that scenario. If a product like that comes to light, that we would be a essentially a producer of that hash rate, and that would be another market for which we could we could instead of you know so instead of self mining, we could we could use that. Uh, whether it's an ETF or some other, uh, you know, exchange traded product, we could use that as a as a hedge against our our self mining approach.
2: It's brilliant, man. <laughs> Honestly, even it, it, in some ways, it's uh, better than Troy. Sorry, Troy, I love you, man. But but with Troy's, he, he has this slight issue with if he's encouraging people to hold or to buy green hash. rate, mm-hmm. There's a challenge where people are will challenge. What is that green hash? Or what is green hash? And you're spreading. But this is just we are taking a waste product and we turn it into bitcoin it's it's it's, it's alchemy yeah i mean I love it's, it. It.
0: it's 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 also you know if you look at it from a,
2: a bitcoiners perspective it is kind of a again a no brainer right but it's a no but, brainer for everyone in, in this part of there's no brainer for the regulators it's no mm-hmm. brainer for the sites it's no brainer for uh, bitcoiners it's no brainer for investors mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that is uh, you know we we have gotten a lot of
0: Traction in a very short period of time, and you know, part of that
2: is—it's very clear why,
0: right? Well, part of that is the you know, obviously the founding team, but also the 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 mission and the partnerships that we've that we've uh, that we've set up, and you know, frankly, I think we're we're poised for great success.
2: I think so, too. Okay, if people want to find out about this, where do they find out?
0: Yeah, so our our Twitter is uh, Vespene, V-E-S-P-E-N-E underscore energy. So Vespene energy. Um, That's kind of the primary way. um, Or you can hit us up at uh, info at Vespene dot
2: energy. Amazing. Well, me and Danny will come and visit the site as well when we get over there in October. I want to see it.
0: Have you ever been uh, this excited about visiting a landfill?
2: Uh, No, no, apart from the one in Bedford. We have uh... (laughs) a... We have a nice landfill in Bedford. Maybe you can put a site there.
0: Hook us up with uh, some, some British landfills.
2: We're going to see Dave the mayor and uh, see what he says. But look, good luck with this. This is very cool. And I'd like to have you back on one day um, to talk about how the project's expanded. I think it's super interesting. And uh, congratulations, man. Great idea. But well um,
0: I look forward to it. Thanks, Peter.
1: Okay. Thanks for listening to What Bitcoin Did. If you want to get in touch, the best thing to do is head over to What Bitcoin Did Telegram channel. And if you want to support the show, all we ask is you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review.